This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, it's Wednesday night. Can you feel the atmosphere? We're eight days away from the NFL kickoff. One more big weekend for your fantasy football drafts and maybe a couple of days sprinkled in going all the way up until the Thursday night kickoff between the Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't wait. I still have two more drafts to do myself. Britt's in the middle of one right now. We're going to introduce our guests in properly in just a second here. But thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the bell notifications. You get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I got both my co-hosts in the building tonight. Daniel Dubois and Chris Dowhauer. How are you guys doing? We'll start with Danielle first. Doing well. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be an interesting episode, to say the least. Tight ends is always a little tricky. We're just kind of talking about that in the backstage, but we got enough differences when we get later on to the show, especially the pitfall sleeper segments. I think this could get interesting. Chris, how you doing? Do you hear us, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. I actually like tight ends. I mean, I feel like everybody just wants to hate on the I position. Like tight ends are the toughest. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Are you hearing us okay? We're getting a little uh, delay, I think. No. Yeah, we're definitely on delay. We're going to work through that. What I'm going to do right now, though, is yeah, I'm going to introduce our guest. Okay, well, you work on that, and we'll, we'll get our guest introduced properly now. It's time. The moment you've all been waiting for. She's on the top right corner of your screen. She's the one, the only, Miss Brit Flynn. And the crowd goes wild. The crowd does go wild. <laughs> We're even waiting a week to do that for you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I just got finished um, filling in for Howard Bender on Lisa Ann Does Fantasy Better. So my adrenaline is pumping, y'all. Um, that show is awesome. It's so great to be here. I'm so sorry that it took an extra week um, to get here, but very great to meet you. I have to say, um, we met at the poker table at the expo, and that was uh, that was a very interesting, fun time. I to knock you out. You somehow beat me on the river of all times. <laughs> that, that was like the first of three. And then oh, on the wow. other table, I did it again, and this guy comes up to me and says, you have nine lives. And I'm like, man, that's a way to piss people off at the poker table. <laughs> so as an introduction, if that tells you guys anything about my personality, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Luck of the Irish over here with Briff Flynn. Well, I'm happy to have you on. I'm happy to talk some tight ends. Let's get into our best tight ends right off the bat. <laughs> We got the best of the best. Yes, sir. All right. So our top threes between the three of us are actually the same. So I'm going to have Danielle let me know where your top three are. Because ours are Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and then, this is where we carry C, we got Darren Waller. Do you have Hawkinson or Waller as your third tight end? So what if I throw in a little bit of a curveball and I say uh -oh. neither, and I move uh -oh. up Kittle to the third spot? 
I am very high on Kittle this year. And so I'm on a, I'm going to make things a little bit more interesting here and put Kittle up there. I really do like him as a tight end. I think he's very talented. He has incredible stats and I just, I really do like Kittle. So to make things a little bit more interesting, I'm going to actually say neither to your answer, your question there. That's a bold statement. She is going for the Brock Purdy love with George Kittle. That is what Danielle is going with. Here's my problem with George Kittle. Okay. And we can just get into this now and we'll we'll chip into it in there. (laughs) He might finish number three by the end of the season. The problem is going to be all the weeks leading up to that when you get the gaps because it is San Francisco, right? We don't know who's going to get touches when unless somebody gets hurt. So if you're down for that ride, which Danielle is, and there was the magical run where he has career most touchdowns with the least amount of games played and his career high in touchdowns because he had Brock Purdy. So you, know, you never know there. Never know. I, I, I don't hate that at all. All right. So as far as that goes, because let's talk about Travis Kelsey. Let's just ask. Let me just ask this question to Britt. Is he going to slow down? I mean, I know last year was his age 33 season, and he was actually his best in every statistical category except for yards per target, which were still 8.8, which is insane for a tight end. Any fear of him slowing down? You know, Travis Kelsey has that riz. Mama Kelsey had something in her genes that made those Kelsey boys durable, that made them funny, and that made them absolute Greek gods. Until Travis Kelsey shows me any kind of signs of slowing down, I'm not fading him whatsoever. Then you add in the chemistry between him and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, on this offense, it's Kelsey and then everybody else. So I'm not afraid of a slowdown this year whatsoever. Probably over the next three, honestly, if I'm if I'm being bold. I mean, yeah, what, 36? That's about, and when Antonio Gates fall off, 36 around there somewhere, you know, that, that, that could be the age gap maybe that we're looking for. Another three years of prime time, Travis Kelsey, that'd be insane to me. Chris, let me ask you this question then with Travis Kelsey. Are you okay with taking him in the first round? Or should I say this? Are you okay with taking him in the top half of first rounds? Because that's the part I struggle with a little bit with how my builds wind up coming out after I do this and you're passing up on guys like Austin Neckler, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, Bijan Robinson. They're all going after his ADP right now. Is it worth that? Well, I think, you know, when you look at a tight end position and getting an advantage in your lineup week in, week out, I do think Travis Kelsey can be in debate for that. Um, there's some receivers that you kind of named there that I might like a little bit higher on my board, but if you're looking to try to get the advantage and you're trying to look at where there's obviously the least amount of depth in the position. Uh, people kind of wanted to write off Travis Kelsey last year. I was willing to take him in the first round last year. I'm definitely willing to take him in the first round this year. So I'm with Britt until I see him kind of, you know, go down. We saw Tony Gonzalez be a superstar until he was about 36, 37 years old. Travis Kelsey can continue to produce at this rate. You want that top tight end if you can get your hands on him. Okay. Okay. So yeah, he's a universal number one. I don't know anybody who doesn't. I will say this next guy though, Mark Andrews, the last time we drafted Travis Kelsey in the first round, predominantly two years ago, he actually finishes the number one tight end. And now he's in a new offense that promises to pass more Todd Mocken. Now I've, I've made it known this show. I am not a Todd Mocken fan. And just because he's going to throw the more ball more than Greg Roman, I would throw the ball more than Greg Roman. I don't think that's saying anything. It doesn't mean he's going to be good when you're out there calling the plays. But when I look at Mark Andrews, in a weird way, I think he could actually be one of the biggest values 
from the standpoint of he's going in the third round pretty consistently. And yet, even though there should be a gigantic tier gap between him and whether it's Hawkinson or Darren Waller, number three, in FFPC ADP, Hawkinson goes in late third, early fourth. There's not much of a gap in where it's being drafted. So for me, I look at Andrews like I don't have to spend the first round draft capital. You are going just a little bit above the fourth guy, even though you're way better or the third guy, I should say. I almost love your value in that standpoint. Daniel, what do you make of that? Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from there. And he is an incredible tight end. And when you're talking about tight ends, like there is a clear difference between the number one spot and Kelsey and everybody else. And we feel like we talk about that kind of constantly throughout the NFL season. But Andrews is a great tight end. He's a solid, reliable guy. So if you can't get Kelsey, I mean, clearly he's the one that you'd want to get there. I think it's definitely a good spot to get him at because he's most likely going to fall just a little bit. So you don't need to spend that first round pick. If you don't want to on Kelsey, you can instead get those wide receivers, get Bijan Robinson possibly. And then you can take Andrews a little bit later. If you don't want to go for that number one <laughs> pick in the draft for a tight end. So I am all in on Andrews. Um, if you can't get Kelsey. Yeah. Talk about another guy who's going to probably be the number one target on his team. Ultimately, we're talking about you know receivers. Who is it going to be for the Ravens? It is going to be Mark Andrews. So he's right there with Travis Kelsey. But that's why our third guy, at least three of us of the four of us, have Darren Waller, I think, number three. I think that's the biggest reason. Right, Brett? One hundred percent. And the fact that he is such a target monster and that they had to take him off the field just so that Daniel Jones would throw to other people in this receiving room. I mean, I said this on the Lisa Ann show, but if there was a Valentine's Day card made, it would be Daniel Jones with hearts for eyes saying, I only have eyes for you <laughs> going all the way out to Darren Waller because they have a, a connection and a chemistry here. Um, I absolutely love it. The one thing that does worry me a little bit is the injury because that's apparently why the Raiders traded him in the first place. But we talk about it all the time. You can't predict injury. You can't draft and be safe just because somebody could get hurt. It's the NFL. Anybody can get hurt. And Waller has so much upside in this new offense. Yeah. Daniel Jones, as soon as they got Waller, was like, just like, just, just constant, just constant. Yes. It gives him somebody to, to go after. Absolutely. Especially in the red zone. It gives somebody to give him a floor when throwing the ball, I guess, somewhat down the field. Something Daniel Jones doesn't do much of and doesn't really have to too much with Waller. But, you know, instead of five yards, make it 10. You know, that's good enough. Uh, but th this is this big thing here, right? You get with the weapon. I'm with you as far as the injury concern. Yes, that needs to be baked in. But I really buy into players when they have a chip on their shoulder when they have something they need to prove. Darren Waller has something he needs to prove this year. And from all counts, this is the first time I can remember in a long time that Darren Waller hasn't been missing any practices and didn't miss any training camps has been good to go since day one. So Chris, when you look at that, do you have any fears? No, I think this is a guy that, you know, kind of alluded to the injury. You can't necessarily predict it. But what you want to do for a tight end position is make sure you have insurance. And other than Kelsey and Andrews, you're probably making sure you have some kind of insurance on your bench regardless. So Darren Waller, to me, is not a guy that I'm worried about. I think he's worth the risk, especially the upside when you come look at the red zone. Um, you know, They got a bunch of five foot nine Smurfs on this, on this Giants team, basically, on the receiver core. They're going to be looking for somebody kind of utilizing the red zone. 
We know Sterling Shepard used to be Daniel Jones's baba in the sense where he was always looking for him. He, the guy who's always wanted to get involved. Well, as Brad alluded to, Darren Waller is now that guy. He's nothing but eyes for Darren Waller. He's been looking for him, you know, wherever he is in the field. And probably the biggest, you know, um, big play guy outside of Darius Slate on his offense as well. Like a lot of dink and dunk guys, Darren Waller can actually stretch the seam, make some big plays down the field as well. You're not kidding about the five foot nine midges across the entire blanketing of the field. I think Darius Slayton is six foot. It's like a giant compared to the rest of the receiver group. It's absolutely insane. Uh, Super CNB challengers. Thanks for tuning into the show. We, we wanted to ask, what do you all think about Dalton Kincaid? Please stay tuned. We'll be getting a Dalton Kincaid over the next two segments here. Okay. So now this is where our list starts to get a little bit different, right? We do, we get number four. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. Do we even have a different number four? I don't even think we, we do. Actually, Chris is the one. Chris is the one who's screwing me up. So, Britt, you and I have TJ Hawkins at a number four. Chris, you're jumping on the Danielle Webb bandwagon, putting Kittle number four. Why Kittle over TJ Hawkinson, who has had nothing but volume and consistency over the past two years, whether it be for the short or Minnesota, knowing that George Kittle is a bit more feast or famine? What are you seeing there? I'm seeing a guy who had 11 touchdowns and who was allowed to actually go catch passes when Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey were on the team last year. I think this is going to continue to be kind of the offensive focus. Christian McCaffrey is going to demand a lot of attention. George Kittle is going to thrive off the attention he deserves. And that, therefore, I think there's going to be big plays. I'm with you, Dan. You talked about George Kittle. It's when do you get the points? When are you kind of banking on that? I mean, we feel like that probably most of the tight end position. George Kittle has the unlimited ceiling and potential to blow up and win games for you. For me, at a tight end position, I want a guy who can be a winner. Travis Hawkinson had a nice season last year. I mean, sorry, TJ Hawkinson had a nice season last year. Um, I do think I do think Jordan Addison is going to hurt him. Um, I do think there's going to be other guys involved in the passing attack, and I don't like that he hasn't been in camp. Whether it's a holdout for his his you know his new deal or it's an injury thing. You talk about how much money ear thing. Um, he hasn't been out there, and I'm always kind of cautious with those kind of guys. Where George Kittles, we know regardless if he has a leg and one arm, he'll be out there on that field. So I'm going to go with George Kittle number four. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a good point with the TJ Hawkinson thing not being in practice because of an ear infection. Britt, ear infection or contract holding? Yeah, at first it was an ear infection, and then it became lower back stiffness, and then it became undisclosed. Like, it seems very fishy to me. Um, it also seems fishy that it took them, what, almost a week to announce that it was an ear infection. So to me, there's just a little bit of text between the lines, I think. Yeah, it seems like I think that, I don't think it was nothing. I don't think it was nothing. But there does something there does seem to be something to this idea that Hawkinson's kind of trying to hold in, which surprises me a bit because it's not like he's in a position where he's not going to wind up getting paid, whether it be now or next year. So I don't I'm not really understanding what he's going to get from that. And go ahead, Chris. Well, that's why he got traded in the first place from the Lions. He wants to be paid as the top tight end in the game. And people just don't necessarily agree with him on that. And he hasn't changed that. That's why, like I said, he got moved from Detroit in the first place. Well, and I, I mean, wonder I wonder yeah. if it has something to do with the fact that they've already said that they're not going to re-sign Kirk Cousins, that there is a lot of uncertainty at quarterback there next year as well. So he wants to lock up that contract. That way, when the Vikings just completely – there is a fly in here, and it just landed on my nose. Apologies for that. Um, that way, when the Vikings completely go in the toilet – next season that he's got his money locked up and doesn't end up like a Dalton Schultz or, you know, an Evan Ingram who just ends up kind of getting franchise tagged or signing a contract below that tag. 
And on the flip side, even though the Vikings are the ones who made the trade for him in the first place, if you had to go out there and potentially go get a free agent quarterback because you're not going to be drafting particularly high in the draft most likely next year, you're going to need all the cap room you can get. So that kind of puts them in a bind at the same time. It and is Justin Jefferson. <laughs> what did you say? That's the NPA Justin Jefferson. Oh, NPA Justin Jefferson. I thought you said something about somebody hated Justin Jefferson. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, so yeah, there are some are some uncertainties when it comes to TJ Hawkinson. So I can't can't argue with that too greatly. It's just with the other tight ends, George Kittle, Feast or Famine, Dallas Goddard can't stay healthy. He's still, like I said, the guy who had the second most targets behind Travis Kelsey. I want to get to a question here from Super CNB Challengers because uh, this is a guy that we don't have on our list necessarily in today's show. So he's asking how high or how low are y'all on David Njoku uh Britt where are you at on him so the thing with Njoku we've already kind of alluded to it with tight ends in fantasy you pretty much want them to be the top two in targets on their team bringing in Elijah Moore having Donovan Peoples-Jones there Njoku also hasn't been exactly healthy I'm kind of out on him and then we've heard reports that Deshaun Watson hasn't exactly looked good as a passer in camp He wasn't great last year, whether that was because of rust or just because he's washed at this point from not playing in the league for two years. We don't really know. Um, So at that price point, I mean, I think he's going at, depending on your platform, tight end nine, tight end 10, something like that. I would rather go for a higher upside guy later on than take Najoku and waste some value elsewhere. See, I kind of like it the way you laid that out. Go for a higher upside guy later on because I have Dave Najoku ranked at number 10. But my thing is that once we get past the top eight, which I have Pat Fryermuth at that number eight spot, I don't really care about the tight ends between nine and 12. I'm just going to go committee style and see what I can get, and hopefully something breaks out. So while we might have somebody ranked inside the top 10, inside the top 12, and make you think, well, it's tight end one, yeah, the value because of the talent and the offense, he winds up sliding in there. But I'm super not excited about it at all. I mean, Danielle, have you done? Have you, have you gotten your drafts in, right? Where, where were you at on that? Yeah, I'm not. He's not even on my radar, to be honest. I've had him on fantasy teams in the past just kind of as a backup or my tight ends have gotten hurt and I've just had to go and find somebody and he was the only one available and he was okay for that time because he was the best of all the options. But I'm not really looking to have him on any of my teams. I'm just a little bit higher on some other players to be a tight end to or my backup in case of emergency than him. All right, let's get to a number five tight end, which is different between Britt, Chris, and myself. And we'll ask Daniel, Daniel, what is your number five tight end? You know, I would probably say Hawkinson. I I definitely Ooh. think that he, I'm a little bit lower, but yeah, we've already talked about him, so I don't have too much to add there. I am curious to um, add in on Chris's pick, though. Yeah, well, Chris has Kyle Pitts. I have uh, Dallas Goddard, and Britt has George Kittle. We've talked about George Kittle quite a bit, too. So we haven't talked about Kittle yet. Or, I'm sorry, Pitts yet. Chris, let's talk about Kyle Pitts. Why is he your number five this year? I'm a masochist, Dan. I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm just going to keep going back and going back (laughs) and taking some more. No, look, Kyle Pitts was wildly inefficient last year, and a big part of that was no longer on the Atlanta Falcons team, and that's Marcus Mariota. He was targeted. A lot of people, you know, got on Arthur Smith last year about not utilizing Kyle Pitts. There was plenty of plays that they were schemed up to get Kyle Pitts the ball. Marcus Mariota didn't rather pull the trigger or just threw some awful passes. Towards the, end of the season, he, towards the end of the season, he did get banged up. Um, but this is a guy that was a 1,000-yard re- tight end as a rookie. 
um, has a talent as a top, you know, one of the top tier receivers in the game. So we look at all those different things. I'm willing to take a chance on probably the number two borderline three because we talk about B. John Robinson love. But Kyle Pitts is going to be one of those target guys for Atlanta outside Drake London. So I like him in the red zone. I like his potential. And we have seen Arthur Smith involve tight ends before. So I think this is something you can get back to. I'm going to fight you on this. I'm going to fight you. And look, it's not a big fight. I got Kyle Pitts at tight end seven, so we're not going crazy here or anything like that. But he hasn't been practicing all the last couple of weeks in training camp. So all that time, you've had Desmond Ritter building up the rapport with one Drake London. And I've been on the record saying this many times, Ritter, I think, can only support one pass target efficiently. Also, he wasn't that much better than Marcus Mariota last year. In fact, the only statistic he was better than Mariota was his 63% completion percentage. But when you match that with the fact that he was 1.2 yards less per pass attempt, that might be the reason why. And that's already below average to begin with. So I have a lot of doubts when it comes to the quarterback. I'm also getting a lot of doubts about Arthur Smith utilizing tight ends, not named Janu Smith, who... Ding dong is actually on the team this year. And that gives me a little bit of pause too. I don't know. That's where I get this ugly feeling inside. And when you're talking about Kyle Pitts, you're just talking about, I don't want to overdraft him. And yet he's still going at five, six round territory. And that's why he's my tight end seven. And I wound up passing him up because I just wait an extra round or two and grab that Pat Fryer move to round up my top tier. I can't do it, Chris. I can't feel the pain like you. Go ahead. You can rebuttal. Well, we just talked about the Giants a little bit earlier. We talked about how much Daniel Jones was loving to throw to Darren Waller. Kyle Pitts has a similar skill set to Darren Waller, and I think when you look at a young quarterback, usually if you look at the tight end position, you gave the numbers to Desmond Ritter, while it might not be significantly better than Mariota, it also wasn't with a healthy Kyle Pitts at the end of the season either. And I think if Kyle Pitts is healthy, and I think the reason he's kind of kept in bubble wrap is to make sure that they have him. Um, and I do think they have plans how to utilize him this year. A lot of positionless football we're going to see in Atlanta and overall. We're going to see matchups where they're able to get him on a linebacker. They're able to get him on a safety and are going to be able to take advantage of that. So he may not have a game plan where he's going to get, you know, 15, 17 targets per game. He's a guy who's going to be game plan for week in, week out. And how many tight ends can you really say about? All right, Britt, you're the guest. Break this tie for us. Oh, I've been hurt by Kyle Pitts too many times. And <laughs> I did say this about Waller earlier, that we don't want to predict for injuries. On the flip side of that, we don't want to draft players who are already injured or showing signs of injury. And for me, that's where Pitts has been all offseason long. And so I don't exactly feel comfortable with his health going into this season. And again, I wish that I loved anything as much as Arthur Smith loves to run the football. Um, I, I don't think that the pass volume is going to be there for him. He tends to use him like, uh, I just, I don't know. Why would you have a Ferrari in a trailer park garage? And that's how I feel that Arthur Smith views Kyle Pitts. It's just, it's unfortunate. He's the man going through a midlife crisis with the Ferrari driving down the road at 25 miles an hour to 50. Yeah, that couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, so my number five is Dallas Goddard. We haven't really talked about him too much. If he could, it, it, we talk about the injury thing, right? It, just stay healthy. Now, him, it's, it's just as prevalent as it is with Darren Waller because we actually haven't seen Goddard stay healthy for a full season in his career yet. It could just happen once. I just need to happen once because he was number five. He was number five last year in a points-per-game basis. He is the third receiver on the team. We don't know if this team is actually going to check the ball down the running backs. Only average five targets 
per game to the running back unit over the last couple of years. Dallas Goddard has been that number three wide receiver. They isolate their targets between A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Goddard when he's healthy. And he was getting just as targeted as Devonta Smith until he was injured. So I look at Dallas Goddard and I see tons of potential that we have not seen yet to this point. But I also have to recognize the fact that the guy has not stayed healthy for the entire year. I'm going to take the chance that it happens this year. And I'm going to put him as my tight end five. Danielle, what do you think about that? You know, I have not been necessarily super high on Gutter. I think I'm a little bit lower. I would probably say I'd rank him around the eighth tight end spot for me. I'm not necessarily as high on him as you. And I think going back to the pits, I think I'd rather have pits in that kind of fifth spot than Goddard. Um, but I think he does have a lot of potential. Just him not staying healthy just really concerns me because we just, we've seen a track level. We've just seen it happen over and over again. And it's kind of like drafting Christian McCaffrey. You just feel like you, you know, he's going to get hurt at some point. Last year was an exception for Christian, which shocked everybody, but everybody was very weary about it at the time. And that's kind of how I am with Dallas. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to see what happens this year. Let's get